Slava Jesus Christo. Praise be Jesus Christ. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. In the United States, this is a week of Thanksgiving. We celebrate the national holiday, the federal holiday of Thanksgiving, which was instituted by Abraham Lincoln. I don't remember exactly, but I think it was 64, 1864 or so. Of course, the Christian community, especially the Catholic community, celebrates the Eucharist. And that word in Greek means to give thanksgiving. And the uh, not unusual way of thanking God is by in a Eucharistic prayer, and we use four of them in the Byzantine church, there are many others, you tell God what he's done for you. So when you hear it, I say the Eucharistic prayer out loud, and you hear me doing that. And we saw things, especially for his beloved son, Jesus Christ, and the passion, death, and resurrection, the mysterium tremendum, the great mystery by which we give thanks. We give thanks by participating in that mystery through baptism, chrismation, and receiving the Holy Eucharist. And of course, the greatest food for the journey is the body and blood of Christ. They receive it at the Eucharist. It's a very uh, ancient way. You can see that uh, framework many places, especially in the Old Testament and in some of the other mystery religions of the Near East. So what you do is you give back to God what he's given to you by this prayer of thanksgiving, and then he comes to us by receiving him body, blood, soul, the divinity in the Blessed Sacrament. That's a very Christian and ancient way to celebrate thanksgiving. Of course, there's many, many happy thoughts about thanksgiving. I think about it this time of year because uh, <clears throat> my grandparents from Europe, they always kept Thanksgiving. There was always a big meal, and they would cook and bake for a few days, and the house would smell wonderful. And then, of course, my mother's family, they were first families of Virginia, uh, settlers a long time ago, over 400 years, and they would have a great Thanksgiving celebration. And they would prepare all week for that celebration. And in both cases, the whole family would be there. So when I was younger, it was always at my mother's uh, family. As I grew older and I was raising and being uh, schooled in New York, I was with uh, my slab part of the family. But equally on both sides, they were thankful for God and his grace and our salvation, 
and also for the bounty of the United States. So sometimes I ask my grandparents, they came from the Austro-Hungarian Empire. And of course, the great person for them was Franz Joseph, the great emperor. And uh, my grandfather, they was, when they were young men, they had to serve five years in the army for the emperor. And my grandfather's brother, John, uh, decided he was not going to serve. So he ran away and came to America. And my grandfather came to take him back to do his service, which he, neither one of them went back. So they stayed here, and they worked at the height of the Industrial Revolution. 20, 20 million people left Eastern Europe to come to the United States at the height of the Industrial Revolution to work in the factories. That revolution would never change, uh, excuse me, would change the United States tremendously from an agrarian society to an industrial society. And we're sort of what's left of the agrarian society because we live in the countryside. But most people at that point moved from the country places into the city to work in factories. Great battles took place. Labor unions arose. There were strikes. Famous Haymarket strike. All these things went on, which you should know from your American history. But unfortunately, if I asked your children what those things were, they would not know. Not, they don't know the history of the United States. It's sort of sad. Nor do many of them know where they came from. Nor why they came. But we came to my parents, my grandparents, and the Slavs, they came to prosper because you could work a whole week in the Austro-Hungarian Empire in the countryside and make 10 cents. And they heard you could make a dollar a day in the United States. In fact, when they came, my grandmother came first, and she came and worked for some wealthy people in the Jewish family as their maid and butler, and she would get $5.50 a week. That was more money than a laborer would get. He was lucky if he got a dollar a week. But even then, they are much better off economically than they were in Europe, and they came by the droves. So most of you in this parish probably are, or in this monastery, are descendants of those people. Now the world has changed substantially, and we're now a uh, multi-economic nation, and we're dependent upon making armor, selling it to people so they'll fight, and then we make money that way. We make money from wars, that's sad to say. Unfortunately, in the last century, we had the First World War, the Second World War, the Korean War, etc., etc. In all my lifetime, we've never been in a time we were not at war. And this all has to do with the economy. Not about high-minded uh, political ideals. Those things that they tell us about, the people they're trying to help don't even know about those ideas. 
So it's very interesting. So today, I'm grateful to God that I was able to build this temple, that I have a small monastery and a few monks with me, five to be specific, and that they're praying and they seem to be persevering in their vocation. That's my great thing of Thanksgiving today. I'm grateful for my grandparents and my great-grandparents and for the bounty they've given us by their hard work that we live by in America. Unfortunately, many people think they're entitled to this. They're not entitled. Paul tells us, and I've told you before, the first, last words of Romans is, he who does not work should not eat. And we're raising a group of society to think they're entitled to these things. Our forebears worked hard to get these things. And unfortunately, young people today, I don't know if it's education or what, they don't know the history of America. They don't know what they be, should be taught in school. And they're not even God-fearing. So we're in a pretty bad situation. The old-timers were all God-fearing. Whatever their religion was, they were God-fearing. Because they knew how good, it, how bad it could be. So today I'm thinking also about the Blessed Mother, that icon, of Mary Help of Mothers, and how we got that icon. And some of you know, uh, Bishop Kurt, he was in Europe, and he went to Russia. And he saw a line of people around this cathedral or large church in Moscow. And so he went over and he asked, what, what are they lined up for? And they said, well, to see, go pray before this icon, Mary help of mothers. So he decided he would go in there and pray. And he was able to uh, purchase a reproduction of that. So when he got back from Europe, I was talking with him. We've been casual friends a long time. I said, well, could you bring one back for us, for me? He says, yes. I said, he said, well, I said, how much? He said, $4,000. I said, that's nothing. I'll get the $4,000. And he said this beautiful icon. Now, we call her also here as the Hergumina. She's the abbess of the monastery. And she's also the protector of ladies and the birth of children and fertility. We are a great nation, but we won't be for long if we don't say thank to God and if we don't pray and like everything was dependent on us, knowing that everything we have is dependent upon him. And I've been all over the world, as you know, in the military. We're very wealthy. Even this valley here, the Walla Walla Valley, it almost extends to Canada. And it's just one big grain field. We could feed the world. And most of the world does not have as much food. Then as much of the world goes to bed hungry at night. 
And we don't do that. Of course, we don't appreciate it either. So my grandfather told me the story one time in Europe. Uh, you know, they didn't have transportation years ago. They, one side of the mountain didn't know what was going on on the other side of the mountain. And he says that the people were, the father didn't have any food in the house in that side of the mountain he was living on. So he had money, so he went out to look for food for his children. And he came home and he took the money and threw it on the table and said, if you can eat this, go ahead. Prosperity without nourishment, without medication, without good teeth, without clothing, all those things we take for granted, the life would not be worthwhile, it would be difficult, and many people would die. So I was talking to Deacon Martinick, Deacon Gregory, this morning, and I'm watching that for the third time, Centennial how they came out here to the Oregon Territory. He told me, he said, when they got out here, they had a hard time getting through the Blue Mountains. It's very difficult to get through the Blue Mountains because it's full of woods and no trail. He said, almost for every mile these pioneers took, someone died. So that trail that brought them here is just lined with the corpses of people who died on the way to get here. Very interesting. I didn't know any of that. I read a book about uh, the Northwest, the history, but it was written by the Jesuits, and all they did was talk about themselves. Well, there are priests and people here before the Jesuits, I just say right now. But they like to toot their own horn. It's okay, everybody should toot their own horn. But today I'm grateful to God that I have first-class medical care. I've almost died two or three times. I'm grateful to God that monastery, we have food. We have a beautiful monastery. And grateful for those people who come to be monks and realize the importance of prayer for the life of the church. I'm not grateful for selfish people. Because they have to learn a hard lesson. We are dependent on Almighty God. We are dependent upon the freedoms of this United States, and there's no country like it. They're telling us that we're losing our freedoms, but I've been other places where they have no freedoms. So it's not that bad yet. I don't know what's going to happen, but I think that we're, we have enough umption to stand up and protect our freedoms. Freedom is something you cannot qualify as how much money you have or how many houses you own or anything of those things like that. Freedom must be qualified by the ability to study, the ability to have institutions of education which are honest, the ability to appreciate family life, the ability to try to revive marriage in the United States. 
without marriage, the basic block of building a society is gone. So many today, so many people are raising their grandchildren. So many people do not appreciate the vows of marriage. So yesterday there was some talk about marriage in the monastery. I found out they don't know too much about marriage. <clears throat> the only father recently said something about marriage. He doesn't seem to know too much either. I'm not impressed with him, but I should pray for him. Marriage is between a man and a woman for the purpose of children. Children are the wealth of the nation. So there was a gentleman here recently, if I've known for years, and he works at the Pentagon. He's just come out of the Pentagon. And he says that it's doubtful that if we have a major war, we could get a standing Army, Air Force, and Navy from our young people because they're deluded and they're using drugs. Now, how would you like it if a, one of these guys, one of these ladies, picked up a, this, this that goes into an atomic bomb and they decided they were going to walk over to, from, say, Seattle to, uh, oh, to Spokane, and they dropped it, we would not be on the map. It's very precarious when the young people you're raising are not quality. We need a quality force. I'm not a hawk, but I believe that we have a very valuable piece of the earth, and if somebody, we don't take care of it, somebody will take away it away from us because it's very bountiful. Now, I thank God today for this bounty. But I also warn you, we should be ready to defend it. And our children should be taught that they have that sacred responsibility. My family, I've told you before, there was much many, two men, two uncles in the military. And uh, my dad didn't go in because he was in special, he was special work. And uh, my grandfather had been in it in the Australian Empire. My grandfather, the other side, the Confederate, he'd been in the Confederate Army. It was always a military presence of the family and the men. I thought that was good. And I think that some of our children wouldn't hurt them to do some military training. Shake, shake them up, get them alive. Find out how hard it is. We're too mamby-pamby. They need, of course, I went through military school, so I started early. Did I like it? No. Did I learn a lot about everything? Yes. Did I think about it was a good idea? No. But I'm glad I went through it. So when I, if you know the story, after I was ordained four years, I went to Cardinal Cook and told him I was going to go in the military to serve my country. He said, fine. And I had a full military career 
That's why I live so well now. And I have full, full uh, medical care, too. Many benefits. We should be careful, especially young people. Do not waste your youth. What you do today is what you're going to be tomorrow. And if it don't turn out so right, so good, you're going to cry about it. And you're going to try to blame somebody else. There's lots of opportunities. If you don't get, get onto that opportunity, she won't fall. But education is the key. You must be educated. In Latin, educare means to draw out of a person the best. To make that person fit for life. To open their eyes. Not think that they're entitled. You must work for your entitlement. So today, as you gather together for this Thursday for uh, Thanksgiving, I think I have a lot to be thankful for. I'm thankful that I have my Byzantine Catholic faith that is from the apostolic deposit of faith of the early church. I thank God for the beauty of this building, the icons. Beauty of the liturgy, the fact that I eat the body and blood of the Lord in a holy meal, is but to give thanks to his saving work for us. And as I say that Eucharistic prayer, I'm talking about that saving work. Then we consecrate the Eucharist within that prayer, and then we receive the holy gifts. We are very fortunate. We are most fortunate people on the earth. So today, think about the happy ties you've had in your family on Thanksgiving and pray for those people that valued that and made the big meals and all the cooking and everything. And you experienced that. Oh, even thanks to Abraham Lincoln, because I don't like him too much, but for making the holiday, reminding people to thank God for all the blessings we've had. And remember, everything you have is from the hand of God. Every breath you breathe, every time your heart beats, is from the hand of God. That groom in your heart where the gifts of the Holy Spirit dwell is from the hand of God. The bread you eat is from the hand of God. The people that raised you is a gift from the hand of God. We have so many things to be thankful for. I still cry when I see old glory carried down the street. I still remember the people I was in the military with. And I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity. When I was young, I didn't think I would do that, but I did. Oh, these blessings, they must be thanksgiving to God. So today, 
light a candle for the generations of people who made it possible for you to be here. Light a candle that we have this holy temple. Light a candle, especially for the Holy Eucharist. Very blessing comes through the Holy Eucharist and the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he is our great sustainer and our lover who loves us and wishes us well this day. Especially thank Jesus Christ for his passion, death, and resurrection by which we have returned, we have eternal salvation. Now over there on the wall is the icon of the marriage feast at Cana. <clears throat> and I like that icon. It's not usual in a Byzantine church. But in that icon, we see Jesus at the implication of Mary asking him, she says they have no wine. So he takes water and he blesses it, and it's the best of wine. And the couple are there crowned kings and queens, which was the ancient way, crowning uh, bride and groom. We still do that in the Byzantine rite. It's all over the Old Testament also. It's not an innovation. Why do we do that? Because they are king and queen of their destiny. The blessing of God is upon them. What they do with their life is their own decision and their hard work. So, being a priest, I see lots, you know. And I remember, uh, especially in the liturgy these days, we're reminded that uh, everything we work for is temporary. So if you own a house or two houses or whatever we own, and you have your family, and but uh, sooner or later you're going to fall asleep in the Lord. Unfortunately, we have to do that because of the sin of Adam. But he to Adam, Christ came into the world. He's the new Christ is the new Adam, and he came to bring these blessings. I hope you have goosebumps in thinking about the good blessings that Christ has given us. The life we've had and we continue to have. And prosperity for the United States. And let's not be the enemy of the whole world. Let us be generous with our wealth and help people in need. You are not in need, any of you. You have quite a independent, you work hard, most of you, but you can work. And you can raise a family, and you can love that family. And they will cher cher cherish what you teach them to the next generation. So that there will be many, many thanksgivings, but always with gratitude to God. We contemplate a wondrous mystery, the Eucharistic prayer, in which we pray for all the creation and all the good things of God to us. But above all, we contemplate in that prayer 
the body, blood, soul, and divinity, Jesus comes to us, and we say with St. Paul, I live, not I, but Christ lives in me. And we should say at the same time, thank you, Lord. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.